0: Hey, Fake Sean, can you do a warning on this episode? Certainly. To whom it may concern, do not listen to this episode. Well, that's it? That's it. Well, didn't you think- There's nothing more needs to be said. Okay, okay, give them a content warning. All right. This is a podcast hosted by Rish Outfield. Please turn it off or you still have your dignity. Okay, that, specifically give them the, the warning about the the episode. Oh, yes, yeah, sure. say no more. There are Star Trek references in this episode. Fake Sean, like I said, turn it off now. Fake Sean, you'll be doing yourself a favor. Fake Sean, it's a TMI warning. What? TMI. Oh, you need to see a urologist about that. I had TMI once and I let it go too long. It cost me a night with Joey Heatherton. I, I don't know who that is. Unfortunately, I didn't know her either, because of my social disease. take Sean, just, just say TMI warning, and we'll go. I'm not going anywhere with you. You have TMI. Okay, good enough. It's always good enough. What's wrong with you? Ah. Have you ever considered a prosthesis that would make you look a little more, uh, how can I say, more normal. What's normal? (laughs) What's normal? (laughs) That's a good question. Normal is what everyone else is, and you are not. Hey guys, this is Rish Outfield, and you are listening to the Rish Cast. and that clip that I just played was from Star Trek Generations, from 1994. It's one of those movies that nobody likes, uh, but I like it quite a bit, and in the scene, Geordie LaForge has been captured by uh, the villain of the movie, Tolian Soren, played by Malcolm McDowell. Uh, Tolian Soren is one of the coolest names for a villain we've ever had. But, you know, what can you do? Geordi is a character from Star Trek The Next Generation who was born blind, but through a device called a visor, he is able to see, and he's chief engineer of the Enterprise. Yet, he wears this thing that's basically a hair barrette over his eyes all the time. It's just this weird thing, and it causes him headaches. And Soren says, isn't there some kind of operation that you could have or some kind of procedure that you could have done to make you appear more normal? And Jordy says, what's normal? And then Soren says, normal is what everyone else is, but you are not. That's the thesis I'm presenting today on this podcast. I thought about it the other day, Marshall Latham was doing these podcasts just for his Patreon supporters, where he would check in to let people know how he was doing with his goals of not drinking soda, of exercising, of, I think, writing, of not setting fire to abandoned buildings or people, and I really enjoyed listening to his his podcast. You could still go over there to his Patreon and listen to it if you'd like. It was called Walk of Life. And one of the things that I've done, not just with that podcast, but a bunch of his podcasts, is that I will download them to my laptop. And when the sound is working on my laptop, I will take it to the cabin in the woods, which is all boarded up by the time you're hearing this for winter and won't get opened again until the end of May. Which is just ooh, a long winter, but uh, it's something that I've really enjoyed listening to. He is consistent in putting out podcasts, and so I am consistent in listening to them. Uh, and I'll usually like be cooking, or I'll be making a fire while I listen to it, and I got the impression that he was talking to me. You know, I don't really know Marshall. I've met him twice, Three times. But because I hear his voice all the time, and I also talk to him on the phone often, I feel like he is a friend. And when I listen to his podcast, I feel like I have a friend there with me. If Big Anklevich started doing his podcast again, I would feel like he was there with me too. And sometimes Marshall will say something on his podcast and I will answer as though he said it to me. (laughs) And... uh, I uh, sent Marshall a message and I asked him if he was like that too. If he got the impression that the people that he listened to on the podcast were there with him and that they were actually talking to him and that they were his friends. And then I, you know, mentioned a little bit about talking to myself and imagining that there were other people at the cabin with me. Basically, I just wanted Marshall to say, yeah, I do that too. I think everybody does that. That's totally natural. That's totally understandable. And he didn't come right out and say, geez, dude, you need to talk to somebody. But he also didn't say, oh, yeah, everybody does that, pal. You're you're totally fine. You're completely sane. You can check yourself out at any time. And I thought, oh, geez. And uh, somebody on Facebook just a couple of days ago posted an old and was his name Gahan Wilson? He would do all these really morbid cartoons, you know, half a century ago. And there's this guy and he's walking through the snow next to his best friend. And the guy notices that there's only one set of footprints in the snow. And his friend says, are you just now realizing that I'm a hallucination? <laughs> it made me think. About what I had said to Marshall, and uh, about what is normal. So, so I grew up in a very small town, and I didn't have any older siblings, and I had a very active imagination, and I talked to myself often, and let my imagination get away with me a lot of times, and I wasn't sure that I was unusual because, like I said, I I, I didn't have siblings for a while, and then. By the time I had a brother and a sister, I got moved down to the basement. There were some unfinished rooms down there, and they finished one, and it became my room. The other kids were upstairs, and so I was even more often by myself. And they got me a bunk bed in there, and I never understood why, because Almost nobody ever slept in that bunk bed but me. Sometimes I would sleep on the top and sometimes I would sleep on the bottom. But, you know, puberty eventually hit and I started to be interested in girls and really, really intimidated by them and, and, and afraid. They seemed like a different species, a dangerous one. And I had nobody to talk to about this stuff. My friends and I did not talk about these things. I. Have no idea why. But there were many times when I would ask myself, is what I'm feeling, is what I'm thinking normal? And I didn't have anybody that said, Oh yeah, heck yeah, which would have been nice. I went through my adolescence feeling like maybe I wasn't normal. And then I became a teenager and junior high it was just the worst. I don't know what your experience was. Hey, that one doesn't count. But For me, it was just really bad. And that was when suddenly there were girls and they didn't have any interest in me. And luckily, my best friend Dennis didn't seem to have any luck with girls. And so we were together and that was really cool. Then high school happened and Dennis started to have girlfriends. And this was uh, an unusual experience. This was a foreign experience for me, and he wouldn't talk about it. He wouldn't talk about what it was like to go out with girls or to have a girl like him. I think that that was just him, but it could also be me, because when he got older and he got married, he didn't want to talk about his wife. He didn't want to talk about any things that were going on in his relationship. He eventually got remarried a few years back, and there was no talk about that. I, it might just be him, or it might be that he knew I would have no point of reference, so it wasn't worth wasting his breath over. I'm not sure. This, this is just me skylarking, I guess. Now, I don't think that I'm using that term correctly. Just ruminating. I, I never understood exactly what the deal was with that. I wish that... I had had a couple of friends who would say, hey, you know who I like in school? So-and-so, who do you like? But that was a forbidden topic between Dennis and me, and I don't think that ever changed. It wasn't until I graduated high school that I found a friend who wanted to talk about stuff like that. And when that happened, I was blown away. I was just like, oh my gosh, Friends can talk about this stuff. What did you do then? What did that feel like? Really, how did that go? And that was kind of amazing, a revelation to me. I felt like a window had opened, not necessarily a door. But, you know, I didn't have a, a friend that was a girl until after high school. And I wish that I had had them. When I was younger, I wish that the friends that I made my senior year of high school, I had made when I was a freshman or a sophomore. The other day I was watching, what's that movie called? The Perks of Being a Wallflower. You've probably seen that movie. I think it did very well. But basically it's about a very introverted, but extraordinarily handsome freshman in high school who starts school and he doesn't have any friends and he's super backward. He had a friend who died the year before, a best friend, and he's had mental issues, but they, they don't really go into them. They leave that for you to discover at the end of the movie, basically. But what's interesting is that in the deleted scenes, there was an opening that they, they removed that showed him in a mental hospital to let you know that, okay, you know, this guy has issues. But the director thought that it tainted the rest of the film because you knew that no matter how good a time he was having, he was going to lose his mind at some point. And and I don't mean that in an offensive way. I I recognize that mental illness has all sorts of different facets. And and we don't like to use the word crazy here, mister. Anyhow, uh, he doesn't have any friends and he's shunned and bullied and... Suddenly, he gets taken under the wing of a, uh, a popular, good-looking, well, is Ezra Miller a good-looking guy? Let's say popular uh, senior boy and his sister, or is it stepsister? I can't remember. Played by Emma Watson, who sort of take him under their wing and they take him along to their parties. They give him drugs for the first time. They take him to, to, to do the activities that they do. And it just opens up this kid's eyes to what social life could be, to what friendship could be. He ends up having a bunch of firsts, including a first girlfriend and first kiss and first dropping acid and uh, losing his virginity and going to a Sadie Hawkins dance and uh, hearing Heroes by David Bowie for the first time, although none of the... Characters in the movie recognize the song. They've never heard the song. It makes me wonder. I think the movie took place somewhere in the 90s, like pre-cell phone days. And I suppose there's a pretty good chance. I didn't know Heroes by David Bowie at that time either. But I digress. Anyhow, he is pretty awkward. despite He's played by Logan Lerman, I think is his name despite being just, like, movie star handsome. He's backward and he's awkward and he's, he's a wallflower, as they say. And, and then he, he keeps having these moments of... like he's seeing something. Almost like he's haunted, you know? Anyway, I've, I found the film quite affecting. Even though, you know, I've never been institutionalized and didn't have a friend that committed suicide. I related to this kid and I wished that I had had an experience like that. Like he has in his freshman year, you know, he gets to just experience so much stuff that he hadn't done before. And for me, that was my senior year when suddenly I got to hang out with guys who had girlfriends and sisters and that sort of thing. And I got to go to parties and see what people did for, you know, socializing and then school was over and I didn't get to try it again. I didn't get to get good at it. I didn't get to implement any of what I learned. It was rough for me. I I just, I was too underdeveloped, I guess. I was too backward. I wish, my mom used to say that she wished that she had held me back a year in school because I had a July birthday and in those days You could decide whether to let somebody be held back or go ahead. And because I could already read, she figured, okay, he's going to do fine intellectually. His development is there. But the other kinds of development didn't happen on time. And if I had had another year of high school where suddenly maybe I was brave enough to talk to a girl or... I had gone on a couple of bad dates and understood that that's going to happen from time to time. So they were less scary. I think that would have been cool. But it didn't happen. We all have things that we wish had happened and didn't happen. What can you do? But I struggled with feeling that there was something wrong with me, that I was not normal. And... and, and, Yeah, you've listened to my podcast before. Gosh, if this is your first episode, go back and listen to something fun, please. This is not Star Trek related, despite the the intro. Can we just get down to it, please? But you've listened to me talk before, and, you know, I have things that are unusual about me, and I have this imagination, and it often doesn't have an off switch or even a pause switch. And... I've talked before about going up to the mountains with my friends and they were telling ghost stories and I was afraid to open my eyes because I was sure that I would see ghosts or or something awful. And, And I was always really, really embarrassed by that experience because none of my friends ever did anything like that. Although I did have a friend who freaked out and he was afraid of things and he'd say, hey guys, this isn't funny. This isn't funny, stop talking about this guys. And I I suppose we all had a good laugh at that. And maybe once I wasn't around, my friends all had a good laugh about my breakdown or freak out at least. Freak out is probably better. I didn't feel normal and I still don't feel normal. And I wonder if I ever, no, I, I, I don't even have to wonder, I will never, feel normal there is a song by father of mine tell me where have you been just close my eyes the world disappears. father of mine how do you sleep with children you abandoned and the wife i saw you beat i will never be the same Ah, there's this song by everclear uh, it's a, it was a band in the 90s that nobody ever talks about now, but they, they had a hit song called Father of Mine, and the guy talks about how damaged he is because his father abused his mother and abandoned the family. And there's this line where he says, here, let me just play it because I will get the quote wrong. But uh, yeah, that idea, I will never be normal, is, never is a long time. And you know, I had a midlife crisis recently. Uh, I started exercising, I started, (laughs) I stopped drinking Pepsis. (laughs) And it's funny, I I still have all these sodas at the storage unit where I keep all my toys, my action figures, speaking of never be normal and uh, I, I'm not going to end up drinking them. Yeah, I know that one day I'll fall off the wagon and I'll decide, hey, Pepsi tastes better than not. But you know me, I, I mean, I started blogging every single day and uh, you know, I've exercised every single day for over a year now. So maybe I'm healthier. Uh, am I happier? I don't have an answer for that, except for that I do get a a rush from exercising and I write. I've been writing every single day for almost two years now, and you get a mental rush from doing that as well. I've been podcasting a lot. I think that helps. All that stuff helps my mental health, but it was instigated in part by the realization, just like Captain Picard realizes in Star Trek Generations. Ah, see? This was all part of my uh, well thought out paper. He realizes that there are fewer days ahead than behind. And when I came to that realization, there was something terrifying about it because when I looked behind, what really did I have to show for it? But I do this exercise and I do this writing and I go to the cabin and it's all by myself. And sometimes I will see other people, not very often because I, I tend to go running at night, but sometimes I will see other people also exercising and I'll want to be with them. I I want to, I want us to do it together. I just want to be part of a community. I suppose I went on this hike. The town that I I live in was built right at the base of a mountain and there is a hiking trail and you can hike up the mountain and it's a couple miles, but it's pretty close to straight up. There are a couple parts (laughs) that are tough. And I went there just this week. One of my goals for 2021 was to do a hike every single month. And I pretty much accomplished that. And I, I went up it and I saw these people that were hiking also, in fact, there was a trio of people and one of them was a guy and he had a newborn in a baby Bjorn and he was doing this hike. And I was just like, that is astounding, dude. You just gave birth to this baby. And yet here you are going on a four mile and it might be more than four, I don't remember. Hike, wow, that, that's impressive. Yeah, the, the idea that I would think that he had given birth to the child i suppose tells you what is normal is is not me it was kind of a joke just not a funny one but i saw these people especially like there were these two really attractive young women that were doing this hike and i was just like hey i'm i'm not like you but i'm doing what you're doing maybe i am like maybe no kind of thing it just it is it's weird that i will have these thoughts and i suppose that i will always have them. And unlike the Everclear song, I don't feel like I can lay the blame at somebody's feet for the feelings that I have of alienness, of I will never be sane, I will always be lame, that thought. There certainly have been times that I have felt like that other people contributed to this. No man is an island or, you know, takes a village to raise a child kind of thing. But I, I longed for the experience that that character had, that Logan Lerman had in the Wallflower movie, because it, it, it seemed so joyous and seemed so magical. I can't be the only person that that movie spoke to. The book was apparently very, very popular, and it was banned from a bunch of high schools, Or put on lists to, to, let's get this thing banned, because there were gay people in it, sex in it, drugs in it, Rocky Horror Picture Show references in it. and We can't have that. I saw a horror movie from about 1980, 1981, a few years ago, and it was called The Pit. And it was about an adolescent boy, who uh, is having problems with connecting to other people. He's having problems at school. Uh, you know, he hasn't. He, he's he, th- he thinks boobs are really interesting. He's lonely and confused. the The movie was speaking to me, and ultimately, the message of the film was that this kid was was bad. This kid was evil. What this kid is going through is not normal. And that upset me. He also had an imaginary friend that was a pit monster, a monster in a big, like a quarry or a, like a unfinished swimming pool kind of hole in the ground. And the pit monster was hungry. And so he would feed it people. And maybe that's not the healthiest thing to do mentally. But I just remember realizing that the filmmakers were saying all those things that you related to with this character. No, that's what freaks think. And uh, it bummed me out. I'm I'm trying to support my thesis here of normal is what everybody else is. But you you are are not. not. 2020, when I was in the midst of this midlife crisis and was super, super interested in a a young woman and just wanted to change my life. I wanted to, uh, if you had the chance to change your fate, would you? Well, would you punk? I kept thinking about like, what would I trade to have these things that are outside of my grasp that I just cannot, experience. And I surprised myself that there was, the answer was anything, anything. And, and, and I would come up with like twisted scenarios in my head where it's just like, okay, what if this was what you had to give up? You know, it's like, cause I was writing every single day. I'd been writing a lot. I had started doing those dead and breakfast stories and I was having a really good time writing them. But I said, what if you could never write another word? Would you trade that for this happiness that has eluded you? And I said, yeah, not another word, never another word. It was surprising that the things that I would trade where I would come up with more and more twisted scenarios and that's probably not normal. It's hard to say. You know, I wish that I were a fantastic writer. That people are like, holy smoke, your stuff so speaks to me. Holy cow, you you really got a gift. So that I knew that that stuff would matter, ultimately, when I'm gone. You think about just like how unhappy, how miserable Poe was, Edgar Allan Poe was when he died. By all accounts, we don't know, but we built up this mythos that he was morbid and that he was haunted and that he was super morose all the time Uh, it, it works for his legacy it works for the kind of things that he wrote but who knows really but at least you know when he died even though he died alone in under mysterious circumstances and uh unhappy by those accounts he's got his work his work will live on his work continues to live on and that's kind of amazing that, you know, people know who he is. I saw a pop vinyl of Edgar Allan Poe the other day. I guess you've made it when somebody's made a pop vinyl of you. Although, you know, I really don't like those pop vinyls, so it's a mixed blessing. Can you hear me just fine? So, hey, I meant to finish that episode, this episode, and I didn't do it. I got distracted, and so a few days have passed. And I don't know at what... I don't know point I left off whether I had exhausted that conversation completely or not but it occurred to me today I was thinking of doing another podcast where I talked about this subject and then I thought oh you know what this is more appropriate for the what is normal show glad you approve what do you want (laughs) if you are like me you sometimes hear a voice inside your head that tells you to do something. Now this may be open to interpretation. Someone might say this is a higher power speaking to you. Some might say, Rish, this is low-level schizophrenia and you need to worry about this. But as I said in the first section, growing up I didn't have a baseline to compare with. And so the things that I experienced, I assumed were normal. And I hear this voice inside my head and it will say things such as, you left the door unlocked, you need to go back and check. Or someone is in danger, you need to check this person. Or much more often, it's a voice that speaks in my head when I'm driving at night. And the voice will say, you need to get out of this lane. Lots of times it is country roads or it's the freeway, but it's dark. And so if there were something up ahead in the road, I I might not see it in time. And I hear this voice and I always, I know, I know, I always do what it says. I get out of the lane that I am in and I move over to another lane and in the back of my mind, I almost said the rational part of my mind, but it's not. It's, it's something else. The, the opposite of rational says there's going to be a deer in the road, or there's going to be a tire in the road, or there's going to be broken glass or nails or something in the road, and you are going to be happy that you got out of that lane, because you'll be all right. And invariably... I'm I'm not exaggerating when I say invariably. Without exception, there has never been a deer or a tire or a nail or a wrecked car or a crazy person in the road that I would have hit had I stayed in that lane. And I spoke to somebody about it just this week because, again... I've been around for a while now, at least according to the calendar. I assumed that other people had this same experience. And a voice says, you need to call your mom. And you call her. And she goes, oh, why did you call? I was right in the middle of the Lifetime movie, you men. Yeah, I just assumed that everybody had this. And I talked to somebody and they said, well, you don't know that there was nothing in the road, or that nothing happened, that you didn't get an accident, that you got into that other lane for nothing. As far as you know, getting out of the lane when you felt the impression that you needed to do so prevented you from getting a flat tire, or from hitting an animal, or from going off the road, or, or merely from hitting something that would crack your windshield and inconvenience you and cost you money. And I thought, well, that's, that's interesting, and that's a great way of seeing the glass as half full. But surely I would have seen something one of these times, because it is a common occurrence. I remember one of these times uh, I was driving with my friend Dennis, This was when we were teenagers, and we were driving down the freeway, going fast. This was at night. It was in the middle of the night. And there was a car coming in the other direction on, you know, on the freeway going north, and we were going south. And Dennis got out of the far left lane, the the passing lane, as they call it. And as this car sped toward us, we discovered, but right at the last few seconds that they weren't on the other side of the freeway, they were on our side of the freeway, going the wrong direction on the freeway. And they had been in that lane, they, sorry, they were in that lane that we had been in. Dennis told this story over and over again, because it was something that we had never experienced in our limited amount of years driving, but it's something that I have never experienced since. For somebody to be driving on the wrong side of the freeway later ironically enough dennis's wife was killed in a car accident uh she was hit straight on by a vehicle coming the other direction and um maybe i shouldn't have said that maybe i shouldn't have mentioned that little bit i i just i felt like i wanted to say something about it and not just leave it but why do I have these impressions, this idea of a voice in my head telling me to do things that are nonsensical, and other people don't? I, you know, I think I may have answered my own question. I, I There may be something mentally wrong with me, and let me ask the question and not answer it right now. If there could be some procedure that happened, they, they stick a big needle into the parietal ro- lobe or something, and... I wouldn't hear voices in my head, and I wouldn't have an imagination that gets away from me. And I, I, I could focus on one thing at a time and just be a normal, average person. But it would mean that I have no imagination anymore, just like none. You know, I would no longer desire to do artistic things. I would no longer want to podcast. It, would that trade be worth it? So a little bit of time has passed, and I. I pondered the question, and a part of me says, well, yeah, I would like to be normal. Maybe then I would be happy. And it made me ask the question, well, are you unhappy because you are not normal? Or are you not normal because you are unhappy? And again... These are questions that are difficult to answer. It would take a podcast to discuss them. But if I had to trade away the things that make me me to be normal, and and I guess when I say normal, because that's the topic of conversation, I mean happy. I mean what, no, everyone, what everyone else, else is. is, and, and you I are am not. not. So, given the question, would you trade away what makes you you to be normal, to be happy? I'm tempted to say yes. And a year ago, I would have absolutely said yes. It was during that tumultuous year where I just, I was not satisfied with where I was in my life. I I wanted to better myself in whatever way I could, so I started the exercise. I started writing every single day. I started blogging every single day, and I don't know that that made me a better person, but it gave me something that I had to do every single day. A routine. And I was a lot more into it a year ago. I had a lot more motivation a year ago. I'm still doing it, but it's more grudging now, but somebody says, look, you can be happy and you can have all the things that happy people have, but you need to trade away these things that make you, you, you know, I think I'm still leaning toward, yes, that I would take the offer. But writing was one of the things where it's one of the things that brings me joy. And it is one of the things that most defines me. We've talked about this before, but Big Anklevich has a blog. And on his blog, it says Big Anklevich is a writer, a father, and a podcaster. Though not necessarily in that order. And, and I may have gotten the... I know I got the order wrong. But it doesn't matter. It it is These are the words that he uses to define himself. And I would put writer first, I think. Before all else, before geek, before American, before podcaster, before fool, before mama's boy, before Dreamer, etc. And if I had to trade away the writing, first and foremost, you, you can never write another word. In fact, you'll never have any more ideas where you're just like, oh, gosh, that's that's just itching to get out. I've got to write that. Wow, I feel clever. But you could be normal. I'm thinking, yeah, I would say, OK, I I have been writing actively for 30 years, 31 now. But I've also just been, you know, somebody who dabbled in writing my whole life. But where is that getting me? What has that gotten me? Maybe it's time to try not being a writer or an imaginative person. Again, I can't turn it off. It's part of who I am. It's always been there from my youngest days, having this imagination, feeling like I need to play make-believe, doing the voices, doing the talking to myself thing, but you take that away, uh, as well as maybe the drive to do that, and what would fill it? What would fill that void? Maybe that's where happiness comes in. Maybe that's where being content with myself comes in. It is so hard to know the answer to these questions. Clearly, we all have different gifts, and we all have different liabilities. And I recognize uh, at least a couple of the gifts that I have, of the talents that I have, and I'm proud of them. I'm pleased with them because I have nurtured them, because I have worked them. My, I feel like my imagination is as jacked as any bodybuilder because I exercise it every single day. And sometimes it's a really intensive workout. But at the same time, you know, how many times do I look at my shortcomings and, and measure them? You know, the, the inability that I have to stick to a task, the inability that I have to connect with other people, the inability I have to stand up tall and be proud of who I am and say that that is enough. These are really damning shortcomings. And I'm not, I'm not going to, I initially was going to say they are unsurmountable, but they seem unsurmountable. I think that there are ways that you can work on things. And then last year when I decided to film myself singing a song, it was me trying to express my emotions and something that i that brings me joy but also to do it in a public way because i'm so uncomfortable in my own skin i'm so uncomfortable with who i am there are certainly things that you can do to better yourself and to make yourself more happy or or you know the approximation of happy and and now again i'm using that term interchangeably with normal and that's not healthy, right? That's not what I had set out to do but I feel like there's got to be a way to have a, a healthy balance to have a perfect medium to say that there are things that my imagination, that my personality that me, who I am deep down, gives me and then there are things that it prevents me from Getting and it is a matter of trying to find a balance, uh, preventing it from going too far, and uh, not stomping it out completely, not crushing and not eliminating all of those aspects. Everybody should have a blog or a podcast, or, you know, do the the Evan Hansen thing and write yourself letters. Where you become introspective, where you look at where you are and look at who you are and say, you know, this is what makes me unique and this is what makes me feel joy and this is what scares me. This is what I regret in my life. Everybody should do that. And, you know, podcasting is so easy and cheap now and you don't even need a microphone anymore. You can just talk into your phone and... Blogging is super cheap and easy, too. It's so there and so accessible, and I feel like that that is a good way for someone to express themselves and express their wants and desires and and fears and, uh, you know, who they really are, who they would like to be. I suppose I've done another TMI episode. And uh, it was my intention... I just, that has always resonated with me, that line from Star Trek. And, you know, maybe it resonates with you, too. What I would love is to find out that everybody feels like they are not normal. I would love to feel that I am not alone. And I think to a certain extent, that is the case. Everybody falls short in some way or another, or or looks around and sees the grass being greener somewhere else. But I don't know. I mean, happy is the man who can look around and say, I like where I am. I like the things that I have. I am grateful. But it's one of those things where, if you have learned to do that, please tell me how. Oh, well. I have been Rich Outfield and next week, I think, or sorry, next episode, we will have something lighter. We will have something scary. We will have something funny. We will have something else. Thank you so much for listening. (laughs) Maybe I'll put a a disclaimer at the beginning of this, but uh, you have a good time. You have a good day and stay normal. What's this? Creative Commons licensing. Is that still a thing? It, is podcasting still a thing? British Outcast is presented under a Creative Commons, non-commercial, no derivatives license. It is free to download, listen to, and share, but is not to be altered, sold, or made claims upon, except by the poor, dashed original creator sitting alone on his bed, holding his knees with his arms like a sodden fetus. That's, that's just gross, Fake Sean. I'll is. take that as a compliment coming from you. By the way, there is a Patreon support account attached to this show where you can pledge as little as a dollar an episode to keep it going. You'll get bonus episodes, videos, and and the occasional song by Fake Sean Connery. What? Well, why? Flash me. There alone is reason enough to support it. On behalf of phony Scotchmen everywhere, I thank you for listening. Okay, uh, Star Trek Generations, isn't there some kind of operation you could have to make you look more normal? And Geordi says, what's normal? And Soren says, normal is what everyone else is, and you are not. You know, I don't really know Marshall. I've met him twice, three times, four times, ladies and gentlemen, three times. But we talk all the time. uh, But I've met him three times. But because I hear his voice all the time, and I also talk to him on the phone. Please turn it off. While you still have please turn it off while you are ahead please turn it off while you still please turn it off father of mine tell me where have you been just close my eyes the world disappears. father of mine how do you sleep with children you abandoned and the wife i saw you beat i will never be the same I can't remember who it was. I want to say Foo Fighters, and it wasn't. It was father of mine. Tell me, how do you sleep? I will never be normal. I will always be lame. I, no, that doesn't sound right. Now I'm a grown man with a child of my own. If I could figure out what letter of the alphabet the band started with, I would know what the band's name was. Ever Clear. Now I'm a grown man with a child, and son of my own. And I swear he'll never let, I'll never let him know all the pain I have known. I think I got it pretty close. Maybe you don't have to play it.